Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My man, thank you very much. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Listen to this. COVID is now killing at least one of us every minute in America. Think of that. And now comes what? The holidays. Every millisecond that the Trumpers give life to these tan Trumps, these deranged conspiracy claims that only Rudy Giuliani would spew in open court. With every moment wasted on this farce, another one of us is gasping for their last breaths. We suffered this long enough. And what makes it worse is that you guys actually chose someone to do it better. And your choice That person, Joe Biden, is being kept by the Trumpers from doing what we need him to do. We should be further along. There's a whole lot of things that are just we just don't have available to us, which unless it's made available soon, we're going to be behind by weeks or months being able to put together the whole initiative relating to the biggest promise we have. We celebrate that a vaccine may be available, but that's the guy who will be on watch to make the distribution happen. And Trump won't let him learn anything about the process. How can he be about America first when he's guaranteeing that we will be last in terms of our preparedness? We're in a pandemic and the Health and Human Services Department won't share vital information on this virus. They've been told not to respond but to take it up the food chain. And guess what? The HHS secretary didn't even deny it today. In fact, he defended it. Listen. We've made it very clear that uh, when GSA makes a determination, uh, we will ensure complete uh, cooperative professional transitions uh, and planning. Uh, but that's uh, we, we follow the guidance. We're about getting vaccines and therapeutics uh, invented and get the clinical trial data and saving lives here. That's where that's where our focus is. Focus is on saving lives. But you've been largely inactive during a pandemic. And now that Operation Warp Speed, bravo, it worked. Putting the money in was worth the risk. We have one, maybe two vaccines. One came from the operation. One didn't. But now we need to figure out how to distribute it. You know it won't be on your watch and you're not going to help the people who will have to make it happen. And you think you're about saving lives. You're going to kill more people by facilitating these tantrums. That's what they are. It's a revenge blockade of a transition. Biden's victory is about to be further solidified. Nothing else is going to happen. Georgia is on the cusp of announcing its election audit results. And the secretary of state there, a Republican, says it will confirm Biden's win. We'll see. Trump team lawsuits being laughed out of court. They're in their third iteration in Pennsylvania of the same tripe. A federal judge actually canceled an evidentiary hearing. They said you don't even have enough proof to argue if there's proof. Rudy Giuliani appeared in court yesterday had no evidence of the fraud allegation. He literally attached news articles as proof 
And when pushed, said, this is not a fraud suit, then what is it? The play is obvious. It's not about justice. It's about just us, the Trumpers, and getting enough political stink to create pressure to hope that a state legislature that is Republican dominated will steal the vote and give it to handpicked electors to be faithless and vote for Trump anyway. That's their play. Just think about wanting to do that and how heinous that is as even a suggestion with no proof to motivate it except proof of your own perfidy, that you have no faith in your own duty. That's the reality that we're watching. Some of the last remaining stimulus programs for the unemployed during this pandemic, made unemployed by the pandemic, are set to expire by the end of next month. You see any action about that? You see anything? The election is over, but the fight of our lives is only intensifying. And the only attention we're seeing from those in power on the right is to forward Trump's endless vanity. Let's bring in David Gregory and Michael Smirkanish. Gentlemen, thank you. Smirk, on the legal side, you're aware of the latest iteration. One, very unusual for a district court to entertain a third iteration of a lawsuit that has been rejected twice. The new one says a million and a half ballots in seven different counties shouldn't have been counted. Trump wins. Proof, see attached, and their news articles. How does this uh, size up in your home state on the federal side? There's been a disconnect so far between the president's Twitter feed and that which has come out in courtrooms across the country because he's making these specious allegations of widespread fraud, but no evidence of that has been introduced anywhere, including in the middle district of Pennsylvania federal court where Mayor Giuliani appeared yesterday. And to your point, Chris, Rudy seemed unaware of what the then latest iteration was of the complaint. For example, all this talk about oversight of the counting of ballots in Philadelphia is not something that was then before the court, and he had to be told so. I think you're right in terms of identifying the play. There's a process here. It's tabulation, it's certification, it's electoral college, and then it's congressional acceptance. And it is a flat-out attack now without any foundation to try and get state legislatures to refuse to go along with the certification phase, even though there's not been any offering thus far to justify the request. You think it works in Pennsylvania? Absolutely not. It'll never work in Pennsylvania for not the least of which reason is you can't go back and change the rules in terms of how you're going to slate the electoral college representatives, the electors, after the fact. Had they tried to change the rules before the election, arguably there'd be a shot. Mm. But you can't go back after the result is already in and say, now we'd like to alter the way in which we choose those individuals. No way. Mm. David, true or false? We are looking at our future. Trump doesn't go away. He loses. The institutions stand strong enough. But the Republicans are too tied to that base, too in on riding Trump, worried about Trump. They just oppose Biden like they did with President Obama and then some. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin McCarthy gave up the game pretty clearly, the minority leader in the House, in an interview with Jonathan Martin of The New York Times, because Jonathan asked him, well, don't you think that the temperature cools a little bit with Biden coming into office. And McCarthy says, well, it depends how it how it all ends. 
He said if, if 70% of Republicans believe that Biden cheated, then he's going to have a hard time. Well, the obvious reality to that is that that's what's being stoked by the president and his allies. So they are stepping back, allowing Trump to peddle nonsense uh, so that more and more Republicans think, yeah, you know what, this thing is rigged. He's right. And Biden is an illegitimate president. That's the game that's being played. That's why this is so dangerous and why, in the context of the pandemic, it's so shameful. Now, we, we have to acknowledge that this is not new. We have been in a cycle now in a, of a generation politically where one side delegitimizes the other. Uh, and there's no question that there were millions and still are millions of Democrats who don't think that Donald Trump is legitimate. And so the cycle's repeating. But it's so dangerous because it's eroding what little trust people had in institutions. Uh, Michael, can we slash do we get to a better place? I think we get to a better place when we get through the certification phase. I I'm not sure exactly what the president will say. I'm also not sure, call me naive, that the base hangs with him absent some evidentiary finding. But I'm mindful of the fact, Chris, that you go back to 2016 and you think about Donald Trump standing on that debate stage. There were so many individuals running that there was a junior varsity. And he was able in the New Hampshire primary with 35% of the vote to begin that path toward winning the nomination. My point is, if he comes out of this with, with his reputation intact among Republicans, he'd be unstoppable to win the nomination in 2024. Didn't you just answer your own question? He's going to come out with his reputation unstained because it can't be stained. He is the Teflon Don for them. He is a symbol more than he is significant in terms of his words and deeds. He's going to come out unscathed and looking like a victim. So didn't you answer your own question? He doesn't go away. The base does stay with him. And he may be the man going into 2024 unless he wants to make it his daughter. But I go back to David's point, right, which is to say in any other climate at any other time that this would be a very interesting intellectual argument. But we're dealing with a pandemic. And I have to believe that people are taking a look at this and saying there are no events on his calendar. His activities, as far as we understand them, are to sit there and tweet grievances. It's like Festivus all day long instead of handing over the football to the Biden administration, getting ready for vaccine distribution. Mm. That death count, I would think, is going to be an albatross. Festivus, Seinfeld reference, except instead of it being a holiday for the rest of us, it's Festivus, he celebrates and he screws the rest of us. David, your take. <laughs> well, I just think, I think Republicans would like to be free of Trump and they can't, they're too afraid politically because of what Michael's saying, what I'm saying, which, mm -hmm. and you're saying, which is he's a force. Whether he runs again, even outside of the White House, everything goes through him because he's got this base of support and he's trying to build this idea that somehow um, he was unfairly deposed, for which there is no evidence. Um, but I think that is the question because yes, Republicans would like to be free of Trump, but they recognize that Trumpism and that impact on the Republican Party is durable. It has act he's actually changed mm -hmm. the party and that's what populists do. And how, how that runs its course, we don't know. Uh, but that's, that's the big challenge for the party. And it's an additional challenge for Biden because uh, people rejected Trump at some level, they did not 
uh, stand squarely behind the Democratic Party. And that's going to be hanging over Biden as he tries to lead. After Turkey Day, do you think Biden needs to knuckle up and uh, become uh, fighting Joe Biden again and say enough of this? I want in. Yeah, well, I, I, I think so. I think he's got to calibrate it. I think he's done a good job so far. Um, I think he's, he's had a pretty good feel for how to approach Trump throughout this season, the election season and now the post-election season. He's acting like a president. Uh, he's not just trying to get in the ring with the guy. He's just putting pressure on, putting pressure you. on. More Republicans in their own feeble way are coming around. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, a couple more weeks and they're going to have to amp it up. And again, it'll be in the context of the virus. But that's what I'm saying is that, Michael, yeah. I, I totally agree with everything uh, that David says. That's why I call you guys on the phone so much to figure out what to say on my show. What I'm saying, though, is we've watched the GOP become the Trump party. We've watched them willingly be complicit in ignoring the pandemic and doing the minimum. And now... The idea that David says some are coming around, I don't see it. And Biden is a commander in chief elect during a pandemic. Doesn't that give him the mandate, the wherewithal to say, look, we can't wait for him to get over it. These tantrums are killing the rest of us. Get out of the way. I think he has no choice but to do exactly that. But in terms of whether more Republicans will break fold and bring pressure to bear on the White House. I think Republicans are mindful of the fact that Donald Trump increased his his raw number of votes as Mm -hmm. compared to four years ago. They gained seats in the House. Mm -hmm. Arguably, we don't know till January 5th, the Senate remains in Republican hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, The gubernatorial mansion in Montana shifted to the R's, Mm -hmm. and more state legislatures were won by Republicans. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to look at the pandemic and for us to say, this is is Mm god-awful, but there's a political calculus where they are deathly afraid of Trump because of the control that he exerts on the party. They wound up doing that well despite the pandemic. Now, a little bit of that is because the Democrats have to learn uh, that in this new binary world of left and right, they have their own concerns about fringe and people have concerns about that. But David, think of that. If we did this on paper and you and I wasted a lot of Italian food watching this election in 2016 and watching everything we thought might happen, happen and then some. You did this during a pandemic. You won seats against the Democrats. You probably hold on to the Senate and you got more votes than you did in 2016. Why change now? Right. Um, And that's the key point. We can't forget, even though people disapproved overall of his handling of the virus, there's still a lot of people who look up and say, you know, because people nonsensically have created masks as some kind of politically divisive issue. They say, look, he's, you know, we're getting a vaccine faster than ever. This could have happened to anybody. And yeah, this is bad and it's bad all over the world. But the real problem today is what Dr. Fauci talks about. You need a uniform standard. The virus is going crazy around the country. And you have a state-by-state approach. That's not what you need. The virus travels. There's got to be a uniform approach. That's what's been lost. And that's the easy thing for, for Republicans to fall back on now, saying, well, you know, the states have their own plans. And you see what's happening in, in your city, in New York today, over the schools. I mean, it's really, really messy. And that's why everybody's got to be on board. The idea that, that Biden can't talk to Fauci, I mean, there's, there's enough people in the country who hear that who say, that just doesn't make sense. Mm. It doesn't make sense. It's not safe. Smirk, last word. 
Last word is, as the dust settles, this was a referendum on Donald Trump. He lost that referendum, but voters were not prepared to hand a blank check to Joe Biden and the Democrats. Hmm, that's a good last word. David Gregory, Michael Smirkanish, thank you very much for helping the audience tonight. Appreciate you. All right, look, what do we know by all these votes for Trump and then even a legendary amount of votes against him? Division. We've always had them. It's easy in America to play with us, right? Everybody here is different. We're all knitted together by common cause. When you start messing with that, we get fragile fast. And that's what's happened here. And they're not going to disappear. So given this election, how do you move forward? How fragile are we? How difficult is it for the Biden-Harris administration? Bernie Sanders, major voice in the country. No matter where you are on the spectrum, you listen to him. What does he see as the state of play and the chance of progress? Next. Okay, the good news. More than 155 million of you we haven't seen anything like this in a generation. You exercised the franchise. You came out and you voted for, against, both. What did we show? Who are we divided? But there were messages, clear ones. A president has to be better than Trump. And what else? What about the guardrails for Biden in terms of what you want and what you don't? This is part of the Biden reality now. He has to figure out what does this mean for his own course forward, even within his own party? There is a liberal wing. Was there a message of rejection of that wing in this party? Now, what does that mean for how he harnesses the power of the best in his party? That takes us to independent Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Good to have you back on the show. Good to be with you, Chris. Senator, I hope the family is well. Let's start micro and then we'll go macro. On the micro, this talk that, hey, Bernie Sanders should be in the Biden cabinet. That's what he wants. Is that true? Well, look, uh, I want to do everything I can to protect working families in this country who in many ways are living in terrible desperation right now. And if I could do it, Senate, that's great. If I could do it within the Biden administration, uh, that's great as well. Do you have a preference? Is there a position that would take you from the Senate? Because we all know if you leave your position in the Senate, you got a Republican governor who gets to fill the seat. Well, the Republican governor has indicated that he would appoint uh, a dem uh, somebody who would caucus with the Democrats, a progressive mm -hmm. who would caucus with the Democrats. So I think that resolves that issue. I think something like secretary of labor would be a very attractive position. It would give me the opportunity to fight to raise the minimum wage to a living wage, equal pay for equal work for women. Uh, it would give me the opportunity to make sure that workers who are entitled to overtime pay get that overtime pay, that workers get pensions that have been taken away from them, that we help workers organize into unions so they can earn decent wages through collective bargaining, et cetera, et cetera. There is a lot of work to be done in the Department of Labor. Uh, address the argument that what we saw in the election was, yes, Trump was rejected. But there was a record amount of votes for him. And part of that message was we want somebody other than Trump, but don't go too far to the left. We don't want that either. It scares us. And that's why he got so many votes so that Bernie Sanders and that part of the wing be careful on that. 
Well, I don't quite agree with that, needless to say. Uh, my understanding is that over 100 candidates for Congress uh, ran in support of Medicare for all, something that I strongly believe in and has got to take place if we're going to deal with our dysfunctional and cruel health care system. Uh, you know how many of those candidates lost, Chris? The answer is zero. Uh, something like 98 uh, candidates ran on a Green New Deal. One of them lost. Uh, I would say, really, to answer your question, uh, that we have too many Democrats who are not giving their constituents uh, a real choice in the sense of telling them that they are prepared to stand up in a very strong way mm -hmm. for working families and take on very powerful special interests today who are doing phenomenally well while ordinary people are suffering. So I think what we need is to move the Democratic Party in a direction we're not in right now. Right now, let's be honest about it. Donald Trump has won a strong majority of working class people in this country. Now, you know enough about the Democratic Party that 40 or 50 years ago, that would have been a laughable idea. Am I right? Absolutely. And yet that's and that's where we are today. Why is that? And the answer is, I think that ordinary people out there in rural America and all parts of America do not see a party that says to the insurance companies and the drug companies, stop ripping off the American people. Mm who are demanding, a Democratic Party that is demanding that at a time of massive income and wealth inequality, yeah, the billionaires are going to start paying their fair share of taxes. We're going to make it easier so, for kids to go to college, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you need a party that makes it very clear which side they're on. Democrats have not necessarily done that. All right. So we go from inside the party, not outside. Here's the big problem. If we learn anything from what we're seeing right now, it's that, thank God, the institutions seem to stand up even against the president. So far, so good. But his party is in his pocket and they're not going anywhere. And you may see even worse than what you dealt with with the Republican Senate under Obama. And you won't get to do any of the things that you want to do. And Biden is going to be forced to find areas of agreement, which are going to have to be center at best. What, are that, what about that proposition? I don't accept that proposition, Chris. I think if we come out strong from day one, standing up and making it clear that we have proposals to benefit working families, and if we are prepared to go into those states to tell those Republican senators, you're not going to vote for a strong COVID-19 package which protects workers, guess what? We're heading into your state. We're going to explain it to the people in your state. Now, we don't know what the results in Georgia will be, but it is going to be a very, very tight Senate. And I think we can put pressure on individual Republicans to do the right thing by talking to the constituents in their own state when we have clear proposals, raising the minimum wage, expanding health care, making public colleges and universities tuition free. You make that clear. I think the people in those states will put pressure on their Republican senators. Here's the starting point of the battleground. Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz says, listen, God love Bernie Sanders, but we've had two votes in the last couple of months, $500 billion relief packages, never enough for these people. So now they're going to blame us for all these people waiting in food lines. We wanted to give them $500 billion. It's never enough. They won't take something. They'd rather take nothing. Can you win the argument? Of course we can win the argument. And the argument is that we are living 
sadly, tragically, in an unprecedented moment in American history. Never been a moment like this with this pandemic, a quarter of a million people now dead, uh, an economic downturn, the likes of which we have not seen since the Great Depression. Chris, there are people who are watching this program now that don't have any food in the cupboard to feed their kids. If we're going to restore faith with ordinary Americans, I think that's enormously important. Because I think when you have a demagogue like Trump and others, the way they do well is when people give up on government. Don't think government hears their pain. We have got to stand up for those people, no matter what Cruz or Rubio may say, and say, we're with you. Yeah, we're going to extend that $600 a week unemployment supplement. Yeah, you're going to have food on the table for your kids. Yes, you're going to get at least a $2,000 a month check to get you over the, the, this crisis right now. I think the American people understand that we have to act boldly, and they support that. And the $500 billion wasn't enough for that? No, it was not. Look, you got states, you got cities, you got towns that are facing bankruptcy right now because of declining revenue. You got hospitals today that are overwhelmed, can't care for the patients who are coming in with COVID-19. We need an extremely bold package that addresses the crises facing America. What is enough is addressing the crisis. It's not a monetary amount. It's making sure that the people in this country have enough to feed their kids with, that they're not evicted Mm -hmm. from their apartments, that they have a job to go to. Bernie, are you guys ready for this fight? Do you think your party comes together and has galvanized purpose the way we have seen magically manifest in the Trump party? I mean, these guys will swallow tripe and repeat it and mindlessly look by during these tantrums like nothing I've ever seen. The the single-mindedness, they're all in. Can you guys combat that? Well, I don't want to emulate the Republican Party. I don't want the Democratic Party to become a cult of the individual. I mean, what you have and the point you make is a very important point. What we have seen... I could not believe it. I would not have told you this would have happened four years ago. You have a Republican Party which has virtually collapsed and become a cult following the whims of a president of the United States. How do you have a party where very few elected Republicans are even prepared to acknowledge Joe Biden's victory? I mean, that's pretty crazy stuff. But if you're asking me, do I think the Democratic Party is prepared to stand up and fight back right now? Yeah, I do think that they are. And, but that would require not a cult of personality, of course. But do you think the party will be behind Biden and what he does that people can you know, be on the same page within the party? Because if you're not, you got no chance against unified opposition. Well, it's not a question of what Biden does. It's how we all work together around an agenda. Uh, Biden supports in his campaign, and I know he will come forward with uh, an effort to raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. Equal pay for equal work. Do I think we're going to have united support for those ideas? Sure. Biden wants to invest $2 trillion to combat climate change and in the process create millions of good paying jobs in energy efficiency and sustainable energies. Do I think the uh, caucus will support that? Absolutely. Mm. So I think, you know, the proposals that Biden campaigned on during the campaign, and as you may know, we had some task forces that work with the Biden campaign to help work out those ideas. They are strong proposals. They're progressive proposals. If he brings them forward, yeah, I do think the Democratic caucus will be behind those. Obviously, the first set of options is easy. You got to get us through the pandemic. The need is so great. Uh, I think this is going to be a fight unlike any I've ever seen. 
uh, in my lifetime. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, you are certainly going to be a big part of it. Thank you for being on this show. You are always welcome to make the case. God bless you and the family. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, All right, Senator. Senator. Now, part of the pain, schools. How many times have I shared your frustration that what's happening in schools sucks? It doesn't seem to make sense that nobody does it the same way. In one case, everybody goes home. They don't know when they're coming back. The teachers are worried. They can't teach in these weird classes. All the problems, they go on and on. None of them seem to get better, getting better. Now they're getting worse. The nation's largest public school system is going all remote again in New York City. Why? COVID test positivity has spiked. Why do I have it in quotes? What does spiked mean? Why is this the best way? Why don't we ever develop better ways when nobody likes the current way? Dr. Sanjay Gupta understands. And we actually have a piece of good news from the FDA to tell you about next. The numbers blur, right? 250,000 Americans' lives lost. Does that mean enough? Can't see it in the sign of people's desperation to do better. Can't see it in the sign of our leaders working to turn things around. And we all know deaths are a lagging indicator, right? When we start to hear that people are dying more, all the pain that has preceded it, a reflection of the people who were infected two to three weeks ago, hospitals overrun, when new cases were averaging around 70 to 80,000 a day, that's when the calls went out of what needed to be done. We don't do it. You don't do it. I don't do it. We don't do it enough. Now, we're literally making ourselves sick. The hardest hit, okay? Those states are where GOP governors have followed Trump's lead. This is not about right and left. It's about being reasonable. This pandemic, the virus, is the truth. Everything it does is pure and true. It gets all of us sick. It doesn't give a damn what you think or who you vote for. And all of us now know we're headed the wrong way. New York City, the largest school district in the country, is closing down indefinitely because of rising rates. The chief doctor, Sanjay Gupta, is here to discuss with me. I'd like to do it this way, brother. I'd like to do it with what seems like good news, maybe good news, and I'm not sure it's good news. First, the good news. Rapid at-home test has been approved by the FDA. Is this a game changer? Um, I, I think so. I mean, these, these rapid at-home tests are, are a big deal. Um, the, the issue is with this particular one that you're talking about, I think we have some pictures of it, but it requires a machine. Uh, you're gonna get, you need to get a prescription, I think, for the various reagents or swabs. And I don't know that they're going to have enough of these machines, a common problem, uh, until sort of the, the first quarter of next year. But Fundamentally, Chris, you and I have been talking about testing from the start. The idea that you could have rapid, accurate, at-home testing that you don't need to send to a lab, don't need a machine, and that's actionable, that can basically tell you uh, the question you're really trying to answer, are you contagious? If we could get to that point, and I think we can, those tests do exist, I think that would be huge. We, We just haven't invested in that. This test will be a big deal, but we don't have enough of them yet, Chris. What's the cabbage factor? How much money? Uh, I mean, the the machine itself, my understanding, is around 50 bucks. Um, The the issue, the the slowdown is really around the manufacturing of these things. I mean, if we had invoked, for example, the Defense Production Act around the first Mm -hmm. antigen test that had been authorized, and I'm talking back in May, June timeframe, 
we could be in a very different position now, Chris. I mean, every day or every couple of days, you and your family could, could test yourself in the morning while you're brushing your teeth, uh, putting in your contacts, whatever. Within 15 minutes, you have a result, an actionable piece of data. They aren't perfect tests, but if they're applied uh, as broadly as they could be around the country, they would make a huge difference. Will it Michael price Nina, out the same people? On your show, will, we, will we price out people who have to worry the most already? So it's the 50 bucks, and then there's a vig on the materials you need for every time you want to test. Will it become expensive in a way that you just can't afford it? Well, it, it could be. I mean, you know, the, the, um, the Binax tests that I'm describing, these antigen tests are, are five bucks a piece. Um, you know, if you're, if you're doing it frequently, obviously that cost adds up. You're adding it for your whole family. It's a significant cost. And no insurance. The government went ahead. And, and right now, I mean, what, what happened was the government essentially, they bought 150 million of these mm-hmm. tests for $750 million. And they are giving them out to, to, to areas that they think need them, some nursing homes, school districts, and things like that. Not enough. But for the average person out there, it's still a cost. Yeah. And, it, and it's not covered by insurance. All right, so let's skip through these things real fast. Uh, the 95% effective uh, for Pfizer. Good news, comma, but. What's the biggest but? I think, I think there's two, two big question marks I have. One is, how long does it last? You get the shot, and it sounds like from the data that the company has released, it's a very effective at preventing people from getting sick with COVID. The vast majority of people who got sick in this trial were in the placebo group. You can see that's where the 95% right. number comes from, 162 versus 8. But how long does it last? Is this going to be a seasonal thing, a yearly thing like a, a flu shot? It's possible because we, we do know the immunity okay. may have a, a uh, you know, months of half-life. The other, the other, the other question is, is basically, does it actually prevent infection? That may sound like an obvious thing. We know it prevents people from getting sick and even severely sick, according to their data. But does it actually prevent people from getting infected? Does it keep them from transmitting the virus? Remember, Chris, people who don't even have symptoms can transmit this may virus. keep your symptoms so down, but still make you marks. contagious. Good. Uh, the last one I left because I'm, I'm too personally invested. The school thing bothers me, Sanjay. Uh, just tell the audience why this 3% thing is okay. The percentage in New York schools is not 3%. It's about half that. But because the overall percentage is 3%, they're going to shut down the schools. Why is 3% the right number? Why is closing down the schools the right thing when they don't even meet that 3% number? Why can't we find a better way than closing down? Yeah, no, the, the, uh, for, I don't relish these decisions, but uh, the 3% number is, I mean, it's a bit of an arbitrary number. I mean, it, the, New York has been doing really, really well in terms of keeping these numbers down. You look at South Dakota, 56% positivity. So 3% by, by comparison seems pretty good. But that was the benchmark they set by which they would then shut down schools. But Chris, I, I, I agree with you, and I sense where your discomfort comes from, and that is that the positivity rate among schools, among those New York schools, 0.17%. So a lot lower, not just half, but a lot lower. And, and I, I got to say, I was surprised. As you know, Chris, you and I talked about it, I was skeptical about getting kids back in school. I thought it was going to end up being a huge, you know, sort of super spreader events. And yet schools, uh, many of them have been able to keep a low positivity rate. Right. If you are hitting 3% in a big community like this and you say that's your benchmark, there are other areas of society that seem to be bigger drivers of spread. Yes. Restaurants, bars, hotels, cafes, to name a few of them. 80% of spread is happening in those locations. So, frankly, I would probably, you know, be focusing on those types of things first before going to school. And none of those things, all those things affect jobs, okay? And, you know, except religious gatherings, that's a separate issue. 
the schools affect jobs and all these other family vital things. The inequalities among rich and poor are exacerbated. Keeping kids at home for school sucks. We all suck at it. Unless your kid, it's probably like your kids, by the way, probably self-starters and love doing the school thing, probably got your genes and your wife's even smarter than you. But my kids with their bad gene pool, you know, they're struggling at home. And now I have a wife who runs a business. She has to do this. And other people who work can't even go to work. And that's where you wind up closing down. I mean, I just... It's so hard for people to accept. This 3% is no magic number. It's much lower in the schools. And I feel like we need more Sanjay Guptas in these localities where people are asking questions about, how do we do this better? Where else are they doing it better? What can we adopt? And it's like we're just stuck with the same metrics that are getting us just in and out of these holes. But Sanjay, I know you give it to us straight, and I know you give us the best reckoning. And that's just one reason that I love you. Have a good night, my brother. Love you too, Chris. Talk to you soon. I mean, you know, look, I, I got to be honest. I'm not objective on the school thing. I'm not. Uh, if they told me fact, number one, fact, this is two. One plus two equals three. All right. I got you. That's not what the three percent is. And the rate is lower in schools. Why aren't we like pushing the standards? How do we do it? Because there's such a cost to making the kids stay home. Economic, family, stress, health, their inequalities. I just don't get it. Now, you know who does get it? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Guess who's on the show tomorrow night? Yup. Guess who's going to be on the show tonight, uh, tomorrow night, longer than you've ever seen him on a show except a special before? Fauci. He's here. We're going to take our time. We're going to go through what's happening with schools, why we are where we are, what the breakthroughs are, what we're seeing around the country, what the realities are for the the holidays and beyond. Let's test the doctor and give him a chance to talk to us. No quick sound bites, no quick commercial windows. We're going to take time tomorrow night on primetime with a man who is in the middle of the biggest pandemic we have faced in a generation. Now, what is the biggest price of it? Hunger. okay? food anxiety. Talk about political correctness being misdirected. That's called hunger, being hungry. This is Dallas. People in their cars, barely able to get by, lined up for food. These lines are not unique to Texas. They're all over the country. The real need, stepping up, why it's not enough, the reality, Americans doing what our government should do. Next. Please roll the video of the cars uh, waiting in line for food. This is Dallas. But in Dallas, Detroit, California to Queens in New York, it's like this. 50 million of our brothers and sisters are going hungry. COVID, that's why. Here's where the numbers stood pre-pandemic, all right? The difference, COVID. The levels, Great Depression days. Remember those pictures of the guys in the coats with the hats? The latest government figures say the vast majority of the time now, it's a family with kids. Kids are going hungry in America, and our Congress is not getting it done. No, not an inner-city blue state problem. Rural Americans, suburban, they're all starving at a disproportionate rate. Those are statistics. They don't really work. Faces work. Stories work. Trisha Cunningham is the president and CEO of the North Texas Food Bank. Neil Wilson is a father just like me, just like so many of you. And he is up against it and doing the best he can. And there is not enough help. Welcome to primetime. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Uh, First, Trish, uh, articulate just generally. Uh, 
How bad is it now compared to anything you have ever seen it before? Well, number one, we've never had a pandemic like this before, and we have not seen hunger rates like this ever, uh, even going back to the Great Depression times. I have friends who work uh, in your good works business, and they say it has taken them time to adapt, not just to the volume, but the faces that they keep seeing people like Neil coming in and they say, hey, you're here to volunteer. And they say, no, man, I, I need food. And they've never seen anything like it before. You're absolutely right. You know, the face of hunger looks just like you and I do. It could be your neighbor down the street who's lost her job. It could be a child in your student's classroom uh, that's sitting next to them. It could be your hairstylist or your favorite waiter. I think that's what's happened with the pandemic is there are so many now that need our help that have been able to make it before. And now, unfortunately, because of the economic stresses, they're not able to. And Neil, thank you, brother, for coming on the show. I know you work hard. I know you're proud. I know you take care of your family. Uh, I know you serve this country. Um, I know this is the first time you've been in this position. How quickly did things get to this point for you and why? Um, it, it was real quick. <laughs> Just like within a month, we realized we don't have food for Thanksgiving. And I said, you know, my wife said, well, they're having this food line that we go to. So we sat in there for like three and a half hours to get our food. So, but uh, it's, I, we're always the ones donating to this stuff. You know, we just not used to having to sit back and take it. You know, it's like, it felt, un- you know, it felt uncomfortable for us you know, a little bit at first, but I said, well, we got to do this. So, and then there's a lot of people out there that, that need our help, you know, and stuff too. So what we're going to do with this food is just, is kind of help some of these other people out that, you know, we know that don't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving. So we're, we're going to, you know, give some to the, some of these uh, friends of ours that don't have home to go to. When you, stuff when, you, when you talk to your family, Neil, and you talk to yourself, why at 57 years old, um, why is this happening to you? I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I was working, doing a good job, working good. Uh, just the pandemic hit and it just started, you know, going downhill from there, you know, uh, the, and it just, uh, you know, my wife ended up getting her stimulus check on her social security, but I didn't get one and I'm get a disability check from the VA. So, but I still didn't get one from the first time. So, I'm hoping this helps the next one comes through because, you know, we could have used that extra. We ended up losing our home in Tyler. Now we're just renting a house. So, yeah, so we had to, you know, do that, give up our home that we were paying for. And so it's just like because we could afford it and keep it up. And I figured rent a lot of times will help uh, paying rent. That way landlords will help pay for, you know, any repairs that need to be done right. to the house. So. You're shaking your head, Trish, because you've heard stories like this too often these days. It's, it's sad. You know, you hear these stories and you, you've heard that one. We had the gentleman that stayed in his car overnight for this distribution that we had on Saturday with his stepsons just to be able to put food on the table. We've had families, fathers come through that wanted to put the food in grocery bags because they felt like there, there was a stigma associated with with coming to get a little extra help. And we don't want that. We know people need a little extra help right now. You know, we want to help that teacher that had to 
uh, stopped doing her night job of staying with hospice patients because she didn't want to put her students at risk. And so now some of her income has gone away. And these are the families that we're helping. We want to help people stay in their homes a little longer. We want to be able to help people to help their child with that distant learning that mm. they need to, to put into place. That's what we're here for at the food bank is to fill those gaps. God bless you and the people who volunteer with you and work with you for doing your work. Neil, Tricia Cunningham, Neil Watson, Wilson, Mr. Wilson, what do you want our elected leaders to know? I just want to know there's a, how many people are out there really struggling. I mean, this is pitiful. And I bet you some of these people that were volunteering probably also needed a little bit of help, too. You know, I imagine there was some of them in there, but they wanted to volunteer to help. And then maybe, you know, later had probably had family members in the line, too. I mean, it just was there was just so many people out there. We were able to visit with them because, you know, the COVID situation. But at least, you know, they were not just handing out food. They were going around getting out hand sanitizers, right. masks, wearing masks. I thought that was so. But once this is over with and things, I'm definitely going to be back into helping again once I get back on my feet. Well, it know, is, so. it's amazing but that your first instinct. Neil, I'm sure that, you know, this is why you serve the country. This is why you've raised your family. Your first instinct, as soon as you can, is to be in a position to help others. I promise you this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I swear to God, every day that I do this job, I'm going to be telling people in power that they have to do better for people like you and to help the people who are trying to help you like Trisha Cunningham. God bless you both. Uh, and I'm thankful for both of you coming on this show to let people know the truth. And we will fight for people like you every damn day. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. CNN Tonight, the big show with the big man, D. Lemon, right now. I swear, it's just, uh, I poked myself in the eye. I'm not, it wasn't a tear. That last segment was amazing. It's, um, that's the face of people who are hurting. And just everyday Americans who look like, Mr. Wilson, me, you, everyone, that's what's important right now. And there are, a whole, there, there are a group of people in this country who can't seem to figure that out. Everyday average Americans are hurting. People who hadn't been in distress before. And that's your right, you know, rightfully so, you paid attention to it. And it just, it brought a tear to my eye. It really did. I just don't know, D. Lemon. What do you want to say? Go ahead, tell me. I really don't know anymore. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, you know, I come from a family where, um, you know, my father clawed his way uh, into schools and into a profession where he didn't belong. Uh, and he had all these dreams and all he could focus on was helping other people who didn't get to the same place that he could from a similar condition. And now, like, that's why he went into public service. Mm. And now you literally have a party and people are going to say, oh, this isn't partisan. They're The hell, it's not partisan. You have people indulging Trump in this BS farce of a fraud campaign with Rudy making a fool out of himself. And people are starving in this country. Mm -hmm. And they are doing nothing but playing politics at best. Yeah. And I just, if this doesn't do it, what does what do you what do we care about anymore? What po- matters? What anymore? matters? Politics not even based in what they're doing, not even based in fact or reality. It's not based in reality. And I, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. 
And uh, there are a lot of people, though, who are getting played and who may not realize what they're doing. And that, uh, that, that's what my open is going to be about. But it is so frustrating, Chris, when you think about when you just saw with the with the, the, the man there served his country. Proud man. Right. There are lots of people similar to him who sadly are being manipulated by the people who are in power now. And it's up to us to call it out. And it's sadly, it's up to us, I guess, to try to get people to work together to figure out some solution to this because there are folks in Washington who just don't want to do it. They want the power. They want it. They willfully mislead people. They know nothing is going to change with the outcome of this election. They know that there is no widespread voter fraud. They know that this president is playing to his own ego, that he can't, um, he can't bring himself, he can't fathom losing. And it's sad. So everyone says, I want to come together, I want to come together. How do you come together with people who, who don't believe in facts and reality? I don't understand it. People who do not believe that one plus one equals two. How do you come together with that? We're going to have to do it, but I'm not sure where to start. Maybe that's why I'm not a politician. I don't know. I don't even think it's about the math. I mean, it's just how do you not see this? And that story, you know, Neil Wilson, you know, sure, he checks every box that should make you sick uh, to your stomach. Veteran, uh, he can't wait to get back on his feet so he can help other people. Lost his house, you, you know, and it's not the math. It's it's our mentality. Yeah. It's our heart. I'm just sad. I am just always sad. Yeah. Um, the election, who wins, who loses, it's nothing changes. Um, it's just we are like consumed by suck and a pandemic is an afterthought. And I just I guess that the at the end of the day, the only truth is that you are what you do. And I can't define myself by how well Don and I or Anderson or Jake or whoever it is pushes power to acknowledge it's never going to work. It's never going to be satisfying. We can't do enough. But what you can do in your own life. You know, I can drag my kids. See, now they don't have to be at school anymore, it seems. Uh, you know, get their asses out of the house and go help Hilton Crosby at Heart of the Hamptons and give people food. <laughs> You're I just mean, reading my mind. Just food. We have to figure out. You, we're going to have to do something for I mean, Hilton. just think about it. In America. In America. Food. The richest nation people. on the earth. The richest nation on the earth. If we have, if they have millions of dollars for a bogus recount, think about where those millions of dollars can go to help people in your own local community. Just and food. You, just food. You Listen, you just read my mind. we got to help Hilton out. Uh, we're going to have to do some, some sort of fundraiser <laughs> or something. Hilton. Think, all Hilton does is try to help people. And Don and I talking about him are going to get all these people. Uh, they'll, they'll give him turkeys. They'll probably have frozen ones and throw them through his windows because everybody's so freaking angry Heart about things that Hamptons. don't matter. Go help out. That, uh, so we're trying to help out in our community. So Heart of the Hamptons, go out and, and Anyway, and I'm sorry to take your me. time, but not, I, I just I don't know how to make things better anymore. That's okay. We have, look, we got all the time in the world to try to help people, right? We can figure it out. And that's why... I love you. I love you, D-Lemon. <laughs> so let's talk about this. I want you to listen to my open, Chris, because it's important. I want everyone to listen, okay? Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.